Hey friends, I appreciate you tuning into the Deal Farm Podcast, where I hope you feel at least mildly entertained and possibly even inspired to take big action towards improving your life and your business. On this episode of The Deal Farm, Kevin and I talk about the very real approach to creating a million dollar net worth in real estate. This is not pie in the sky. This is a very real conservative approach. Stay tuned in to get our roadmap. And how you doing today? Oh man, I could not be better. It is a phenomenal Wednesday, isn't it? I love Wednesdays. It's like halfway through the week, and where has the week gone? Mike, 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 Mike. Guess what day it is? Wednesday. Hump day. You know the commercial. <laughs> Come on, no, I I, actually, I don't know the commercial. You know, like so. the camel. Uh, the no. camel who <laughs> was walking through the office. He's like, Mike, 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 Mike. Guess what day it is? And the guy looks like perturbed and the camel goes, hump day. <laughs> Classic. I missed, like, I missed that one. You uh, missed that one. I think it was I Geico. I think it was a Geico commercial. That yeah. sounds like Geico. So happy, it is a good day though, isn't it? It's a beautiful day. Every it's day a Wednesday. Day. Life is good. And this has been a great week for us. This has been a very, very good week for us. Yeah, it's been a good month, man. We're on a franchisees. I love it when our franchisees are doing well. I think that's what makes the day. It makes the days better when you're, when you see folks just killing it and doing the deals, it just feels good. Well, what's really cool is to see how many people, uh, you know, just recently launched, they finished their onboarding and they're knocking down deals so quickly. We try to be conservative with expectations and just to see people exceed those over and over is, is really encouraging. It's super exciting. When I remember getting started so many years ago and like the second you get a deal under your belt, it's like the world opens up to you. And then all of a sudden you get two, you get three. And then all of a sudden you're just inundated in deals and you're just yep. pulling your hair out going hundred miles an hour. But that's the good stuff, man. That's when it gets fun. Well, and what's cool is seeing, you know, people with such varied backgrounds, right? You've got people that were a realtor or maybe a contractor, but we got folks that are coming from, you know, office jobs, you know, working 50 hours a week, you know, white collar world, people from all kinds of backgrounds who are doing this now and having success. And, you know, you know, while they come from a lot of different backgrounds, there's, there's some common denominators of why they do this, right? True. I mean, we hear over and over, you know, I want to take control of my life. I want to have, build wealth. I want to have security, you know, security for the future. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I want to pass down, you know, legacy to my kids is a, is a really common one. I want to, you know, and really what that translates to, and a lot of times it's either they want to pass the business on. So they want to learn the skill of investing in real estate and pass that skill on. But it's also, I want to build my net worth. So I have a nest egg to pass on to the next generation. And that's yeah. understandable. And, that's and what's interesting is how many people, it's interesting how many people are doing this in their 40s, in their 50s. I mean, they're, they're sort of late in career and it, realizing, you know, working a nine to five is not necessarily the best way to build wealth. I need, I need to do something different. You know, yeah. as, I, as I'm looking at retirement, as I'm looking at my, my aging family, I've got to do something different to build wealth. That's right. That it's hard, man, in the W-2 world to put away big chunks of money. I mean, most people, you know, their biggest investment is their their individual house, assuming that they're homeowners. And so hopefully they get some amount of appreciation. But that's most of their net worth is then tied up in their personal house. And that's it. They got, a, you know, some small little 401k and, you know, they're getting by. They're scraping, scraping together and a, a little bit of a savings account. But they haven't put away real wealth. And it's right. it's hard, man, the way the society is structured when you're sort of beholden to a w-2 employer that's it's hard to put away big real wealth and they see that like you said later in life you can be in your 40s 50s and like yeah. have that oh crap moment i haven't put away enough 
Yeah. You know, in your thirties and your forties, you're, you're raising kids, kids are going off to college. You're, you're just sort of concerned about, okay, how, what are we going to do this next year? You know, for, right. for school, for tuition, for upgrading a house. So I got to put a new bathroom on it. You get into, you know, later in life, late forties, early fifties, a lot of times. And it's like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I'm looking at retirement. I, I need to do something about this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even your high income earners, you'll find that most of them spend the money that they're making. You could be mm -hmm. pulling down multiple six figures and spending multiple six figures <laughs> right, right. every year. Like you said, on all those things, vacations and kids and cars, and even in your house, you're, I mean, I, and the amount of time and money I put into my house, it's ridiculous, but yeah. you know, yeah, for absolutely. the average Just with the upgrades and furniture and decor and yeah, yeah, it goes, you it end up goes. spending what you make. It goes, you know, so along these lines, Kevin, I thought it would be cool to just talk. Let's just talk about what real estate does in terms of giving people the opportunity to have a roadmap to let's call it a million dollars in net worth. Yeah. And, going from what would it look like to go from zero to a million bucks? Like, like, is that, you know, you hear that all the time, like, you know, particularly in real estate. Oh, I wonder, you know, they do TV shows about this, right? There's books about going from zero to a million is that all, you know, just flash in the pan or is that realistic? Like, can you really go from zero to a million bucks just doing real estate? Well, and what's the statistic? I know we rattled this off the other day. What 90, it's over 90% of millionaires. It's over 95%. It's over 95% of millionaires. It was, it was crazy. It have made their millions in real estate. Yeah. If you look at the number of millionaires, how many, what percentage of millionaires made their money in real estate? And it was like over 95% was some ridiculous amount. Yeah. And, and there's all sorts of quotes, you know, that, you know, real estate's the best way to make money. They're not making, you know, they don't make any more real estate, right? I mean, you get real estate, that's, uh, yep. you know, so many people make their money in, in real estate. Well, go ask anybody, you know, that let's say owns five rentals and, and find out what their net worth is. Chances are it's pretty dang high. Mm -hmm. Not crazy. It doesn't have to be crazy. I think it'd be young and have five rentals, but right. they're going to have a, uh, relatively speaking to somebody else, their age, they're going to have a higher net worth. And it's probably because the fact that they started acquiring properties. Yep. Hands down. Yeah. Well, and to acquire a rental takes money. It's like, so you're not going to go from zero to having five rentals, right? There, there's right. steps to get to that point. That's right. So let's maybe, let's start, you know, let's, let's talk about what that would look like. What are, it didn't have to be a specific roadmap, but what are some of those steps along the way that get people from nothing to a million dollars in net worth? Yeah. So let's come up with, let's sketch out a game plan. Let's go, okay. Yeah. If we were going to actually tackle this, how would we do this? If you had somebody who was like, I'm game, show, show me how to do this. Yeah. What's the right. game plan? How, how could I do it? And it's not the only way, but here's one way that you could do it starting with nothing. Yeah. I mean, I think first I would just tell people, you don't have to start big. You don't have to go out there and over leverage yourself and buy some crazy property give yourself however many years, five to 10 years, let's call it to, to get there and, and be conservative in the process. But I, I think starting small makes a lot of sense. Like let's, Let's learn the game a little bit before you just start doubling down here and there. Like, let's figure it out a little bit. So you know, one of the, the ways you learn your education for real estate isn't just coaching and all techniques. It's learning your market. Like, where are you going to invest? What do you know about your local market? Where are the other investors investing? How do you get educated on your local market? So starting mm -hmm. small and educating yourself. And, and as far as educating yourself, I, I, I know that there are... I'm going to say hundreds, but at least dozens of websites out there. You can go to YouTube. There's tons of videos out. There's so many different ways that you can educate yourself in the area of real estate. Yep. Yep. It's, it, it, exactly. I, I think that you don't necessarily have to go pay a ton of money for coaching. You don't, you can absorb and digest some of the information that's out there. 
of course, you can go the franchise route and uh, shortcut to the front of the line. Little plug for Red Barn Home Buyers there. Yeah, we do help people with it. <laughs> but you don't have to. I mean, there's there's ways to to learn, especially locally. Like I, I'm a big fan of plugging in locally, your RIAs, your other investors, get to know who are the the players in your market. What are they doing? Where are they? Now, I, I I went to the zoo yesterday and they had these giant birds called RIAs. But I don't think that's the sort of RIA that you're talking about. What no, is no, there's lots of different RIAs. Some that you want, some that you don't want. <laughs> That's right. Some are better than others. Some are messier say, than others. Hey, get involved with the RIA. What are, what are you talking about there? That's an unknown acronym. I think. Don't get too involved. It's uh, R-E-I-A is how that's spelled. So it's a real estate investment association. So when you hear somebody say RIA, it's the clean RIA, not the dirty RIA. That's right. This is one that's going to help you out. Go to Facebook, right? Look up on Facebook. They, 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 you will have real estate investing associations in your area. Just about yes. every metro area has 100%. these. Look it up on Facebook. It's the quickest way to find one. Yep. Once you find one, you can find others. Yeah, and Google it. I'm chances are, you know, you've got a local uh, real estate investing organization in your market that would come up on a Google search. Facebook's a great place to find that. And then lots of people just do small meetups of other real estate investors. And to me, some of the best education you're going to get is local education. Who are the players? What are they doing? What are their strategies? Where are they buying? How much are they making? What do their markups look like? That's a great way to understand what's the potential for you in your market by seeing what somebody else is doing. And you go to one of these meetups. You don't have to have rentals. You don't have to be a, you know, a seasoned real estate investor to show up. Just show up and say, I, I want to learn. Go yeah. ask a dozen questions, right? That's right. Yeah. And of course, I mean, read the blogs, listen to the podcasts. I mean, get yourself at least uh, get a handle on what people are doing in the, in the real estate investing space. But again, I think start small, educate yourself, start small. Don't blow your wad on your first investment. Don't spend all your cash on your, try to keep your powder dry as much as possible. I mean, to me, a great way to do that is wholesaling. That's a great way to break into the business because you can spend really a lot of just sweat equity and time beating the streets to find a deal that you can put under contract and then assigning that contract to one of these people that you've now met, you know, in, the, in your local RIA or you've, you know, you've put together a small cash buyers list and you've now wholesaled a deal. And let's say you made 10 grand wholesaling a deal. Yep. You just generated income in real estate as a real estate investor. So with wholesaling, you know, I, I, folks that are, that are brand new to this, right? You, you're identifying an all, usually what's an off market property. And you could do that through door knocking. You could do that, you know, through... Uh, connections, or, but you're finding a property that is often a distressed property. They don't want to list it with, with someone, right? They just, they want to cash out and you're getting it under contract. And as I've talked to folks who are new in this often, I'm like, well, isn't that, I'm not a realtor. I, I couldn't go around and sell that. And there are states that say, no, you can't, you can't sell real estate if you don't have your license, but you're not selling the real estate. You know, once you have it under contract, what you're doing is you're you're selling your um, your interest in that property, right? Because you have That's it right. under contract with an assignable contract. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. To, in terms of semantics, technically what you're selling in most of the time is the contract itself. So mm -hmm. I got it under contract for hundred grand. I've got a Mr. Investor over here that's willing to pay 110 for it. So I've assigned my contract to him for a $10,000 assignment fee. And so I think most people listening to here probably understand kind of how wholesaling works, but it is a, it's a great way to start because yep. you're learning how to acquire off-market deals. You don't have to get any sort of financing on the property. You don't have to buy the property. You don't have to take on the risk of owning it. You're just assigning a contract. And not only that, it's quick money. Mm -hmm. You can get something under contract today and assign it tomorrow and make a quick 10,000 bucks really quickly. 
Yep. You're just, it's that upfront, you know, you're doing the legwork, you got the hustle, you found the deal, you got under contract and you're scoring a quick profit off it. That's right. You know, so in terms of starting small, that's kind of what I think. I think starting with wholesaling first is a great way to start small. Now that's not to say you're not going to continue wholesaling for the rest of your career when it makes sense. But early on, if you don't have the capital to buy a property or you don't have the risk tolerance, start small. Just start mm -hmm. with wholesaling. Do a pop a deal or two a month and get the lay of the land. And so if we're starting from zero, you can do wholesaling with zero. That's something if you're willing to do some door knocking, meet some people, uh, you know, network, you can do that with nothing and that's going to get you started. That's right. Okay. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's say you've done that now for six months or a year, you've got your feet wet, you've done a handful of wholesale deals, you've met some people in the business. Now you, you, you pop a contract, and you're like, man, this, this house looks pretty good. There's a pretty nice spread on this. Now you're like, this might be the one I want to go ahead and take down myself and flip. Mm -hmm. All right. So now you're taking that next step into maybe you're finding some hard money, or you're working with a private lender, a friend or a family member that's willing to go in with you. You've hopefully made some relationships with some contractors at this point in time and you, and you flip the house. And so I don't know, Kevin, what's a number that you would throw out there? I mean, what's what actually, what's the average flip profit? I've, I've read it before on the internet. What do they say the average profit is on a flip? Uh, isn't it, uh, I wanted to say it was 25 to 35,000. Last time I checked, I think it was that ballpark. Wasn't no, it? I think it was 60. Was it 60? It was sick. Now Maybe. this is nationwide. Obviously some lower tier markets aren't going to be that high. Some higher tier markets are going to be higher than that. But I think the average, believe it or not, was like the 60 range. Okay. But let's use your number, Kevin. Let's call it 30 to 50. Yeah. You know, average, let's call it an average profit on, on a flip, you know, deal yeah, so you let's take say down, you're, you're buying an entry level home. So it's in a, you know, it's a less expensive house, right? You're doing entry level. Uh, let's say you, you buy, let's say you get in on a contract, what you just said, a hundred thousand dollars, right? You get yeah. under a hundred thousand dollars. You put some you know, earnest money down, down payment. You put some money into it, right. To repair the property You on the back end, you sell it and you make, what you want to say? Let's say $40,000. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Oh, 40,000 bucks. All right. So now you've not only now are you creating income from wholesaling? Now you're creating these nice big chunks of income from flipping. What I would say do is as you're getting started, don't live on all that income. Maybe live on half the income there. The income that now you're generating from wholesaling, the income you're making from flipping, you want to put away, put aside some of that money for future investing. Now you're going to start rolling your earnings. That's how you're going to, you're going to get to that million dollars. You got to start rolling your earnings. So, so let's say, let's say, is it, is it maybe your first year? Let's say you do four wholesales and a flip or two, right? I think more than four. Let's say you do eight wholesales and yeah, like you said, maybe two flips. All right. So eight wholesales that and you're just giving yourself to it, right? You're chasing yep. after it. So if you're doing 10,000 a wholesale, all right, you did eight of those. There's 80 grand. Yep. And you yep. did two very modest flips, right? Two, two, you know, just kind of singles out there. Right. So yep. there's an, there's 40 and 40, there's another 80. So you're at 160. Yep. All right. So now let's say you only needed, you know, 80 to live on. Right now you put, you've got 80 that set aside after that first year, first or second year, like this is all loosey goosey guys. You've the, the whole idea is that you're not living on all that income. You want to be able to put away, put aside some income to roll into future investments. So, and this is all, this is conservative. This is very realistic. You should be able to do eight wholesales in a year. You should be able to do a couple, you totally. know, a couple flips in a year. This is very realistic. That's right. Well, the other thing that's happening now in your business is now you're making connections and you've got momentum behind your business. Once you've got, you know, eight wholesales and two flips on your belt, you've got momentum. You've got buyer's lists. You've got people you've networked with. You've got some potential contracts in the works. I mean, you've, you're starting to pick up some steam mm -hmm. and, and now you've put a little bit of money away. And so what are you going to do with some of that money? Well, 
I think in year late in year one, starting in year two, now you're going to start looking at rentals because what rentals do is everybody gets stuck on cash flow. Forget cash flow. What rentals do is they appreciate. And that's where you're going to start building your balance sheet. That's where you're going to start getting some appreciation and your net worth. You're going to see your net worth start to increase. So you're saying that with a rental, I shouldn't be so caught up with the residuals. Oh, I'm going to make X dollars a month. If you just break even, that property is going to appreciate. If you're in the right market, and that's my, that's my take on rentals. You know, some markets are not high appreciation markets. And so, yeah, you'd probably want to focus a little bit more on the cash flow and being able to pay down that uh, principal as fast as you can. But I mean, look what the real estate's done over the last 10 years. It, it, it Real estate appreciates, hands down. It just does. Look at the people that put together real estate portfolios, even five to 10 years ago, they're sitting on a pile of equity because of mm -hmm. appreciation. So get in it, get in it, get in the game, man. Get in on the rental, start buying one here or two there. Yep. You know, every year have a goal of how many you're going to buy. Maybe it's two or three a year. So talk to us about a strategy for rentals. Like, well, okay, so great. I need to get into rent. What's a good strategy for, for stepping it up? You know, I've done some flips. I'm into wholesaling, right? I'm, I've got some income. What is the strategy for rentals? Uh, so it's going to depend on the market. Some people, the strategy is going to be don't invest in my market. Let's go find another market where it makes sense for rentals. You know, maybe mm -hmm. more like a B tier market, but maybe you know your market well enough and there are buying opportunities. You know, I think a general rule of thumb is, you know, look for at least that 1% price to rent ratio. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you paid a hundred grand for the house uh, or you're all in, let's say a hundred grand to the house that you're getting at least a thousand dollars a month in rent. That's, mm -hmm. that's the sort of a, a metric that a lot of investors work off of. Now, some markets, you're going to do way better than that. Some markets, you're going to be slightly under that. If you're going to be under that, you know, where maybe you're, let's, let's use a market now, maybe you paid 300 for the house and you're getting 2,200 a month in rent, right? So you're mm -hmm. below the 1% price to rent, but you're in a market that's appreciating really quickly. To mm -hmm. me, I'm okay, even with a potential break even, or maybe even a slight negative, um, as long as you know you're in a market that's doing really well, and maybe you got it, you bought into some equity right out of the gates, you know, the market's appreciating. Again, that's when you're going to watch your balance sheet really improve year over year as you start to acquire properties like that. And you're saying that 1% is not based on the ARV, the 1% the is based on what you're in it for. That's exactly right. Yeah. What you, and what, and what, what you mean by what you're in it for is what did you pay for it and how much did you put into it renovation wise? So you might've right. bought it for 80, you put 20 grand into it to renovate it. So you're all in for a hundred grand mm -hmm. and hopefully you're getting around a thousand dollars a month in rent. Right. So again, now we're talking your second year in business, you're still wholesaling. You're flipping, you're cherry picking the deals you want to flip. And the numbers may even look the same. Maybe you do, maybe now you do 10 wholesale deals and you do two or three flips, but you also acquired two, let's say two rentals mm -hmm. in the process. Cause again, you're now, you're out there, you're, you're swinging deals left and right. You're going to trip over some deals that make sense from a buy and hold perspective. Mm -hmm. And rather than wholesaling those deals, you're like, you know what, here's an opportunity for me to build my net worth by holding on to this rental. So now I'm going to peel some of these out of the business just to hold on to. Mm -hmm. So now let's say that's year two, year three, what does year three look like? So what you're saying is once you get a second rental, you've got a portfolio. You, you are building a portfolio at this point. As soon as you start getting rentals on your belt, right? Each year, you're just right. adding and adding and adding. And don't get too caught up on cash flow, right? Of course, you want, you want, you want to make sure that you're paying your bills, but you're building wealth. That's, that's the whole idea. Again, if you're in a market that's not appreciating well, then yeah, make sure you have a lot of cash flow. 
you know, and make sure that you're, you know, you've, you're, you have the opportunity to pay down your principal quickly because that's creating equity as well. Versus mm -hmm. if you're in a market that's, you know, that does appreciate well, it's got a strong job market, all the, all, all these things going for it. Those are the markets that, you know, maybe don't get quite as hung up on cash flow. So going into year three, you know, again, now your business is got some real momentum. Now you really know the players. You've got a pretty good pipeline of deals. You've kind of figured out your off-market acquisition strategies. Um, and you're and you're starting to ramp up your volume. Again, it doesn't have to be crazy volume. Let's say mm -hmm. now you may be at one a month, right? You're doing one deal a month, and maybe you're knocking down three flips over the course of the year. And those flips, same thing. Maybe they're getting better, and so they're becoming more profitable. Maybe you're mm -hmm. making... 50 grand per, per flip. And you're, you know, you've got an, an employee now maybe, or an acquisition manager. And so, you know, maybe your revenue for your business is in the $250,000 range, let's say, but you've got some expenses. And so even if you're clearing at the end of the day, let's say you're clearing close to like 200 a year, 150 to 200 a year. Um, are you living on all of that? Try not to. I mean, again, right. the whole idea is we're building wealth. I mean, I'd say stay conservative, you know, take that, however much that is, call it 80 grand, 80, you know, that you're not living on and reinvest it. So year three, year four, what are you reinvesting in? Yep. So I, two things to, to highlight there is one, give yourself permission to work the learning curve at, at your first deal out. Don't expect that, Oh, I'm going to hit a home run and, you know, a grand slam and make $120,000 on my first flip. Right. Right. Start small, give yourself time to work the learning curve. And then secondly, as you earn money, don't spend it all, right? As, as you work the learning curve and you're growing your business, always be setting aside some to reinvest to grow your business. That's right. Yep. And so what does it look like to reinvest? Well, I think um, maybe you're investing in your, the business itself, so more marketing dollars, but I'm, I'm talking about reinvesting in more, more rentals, more buy and hold type opportunities. You know, so, so I had a pause there right now. You mentioned marketing dollars, spending money on marketing. You know, up front, a lot of times it's going to be knocking on doors, that sort of thing. And, you know, just learning your name. But what, talk to me about marketing. What, what, is, what do you mean by spending more on marketing? How does that help my business? Yeah. And I like Because we're like not to... talking about, you know, doing a, a website. Hey, I'm Joe. You know, what do you mean by marketing? Well, there's clearly, there's any number of ways to generate opportunities in the off market world, right? Because right now it's hard. It's hard to find good properties on MLS. There's just too many people fighting over those deals. And so the best way to find a deal really is off market, not nothing that's really on the MLS or that you're going to find on Zillow or Trulia or any of those sites. So you're looking for those sellers who would be interested in selling to you, hopefully, you know, slightly below market value. Uh, and so how do you find it? Well, there's lots of different ways. I mean, you've seen the signs on the side of the road. We buy ugly houses. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing, right? They're looking for opportunities to, to for, for people that want to sell their house. You've got pay-per-click. You ever go on Google and just type in, I want to sell my house fast? Look at all the people that are spending money marketing to, to potential home sellers. Postcards. Most of you have gotten a postcard in the mail at some point in time or a letter that says, hey, if you ever want to sell your house, especially if you own an investment property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get inundated with mail on any of my investment properties. Hey, you ever think about selling? I mean, yep. they're, looking, they're looking for opportunities to buy. So there's lots of different ways, you know, whether it's calling or texting or, or emailing or snail mailing or putting up bandit signs or advertising on the internet. There's any number of ways to find off-market deals. Well, once you start increasing your volume, you have to find ways to scale. And mm -hmm. so one of the ways to scale is to invest in, in just your marketing efforts. 
So now you're that's spending right. some amount of your the money, the revenue that's coming into your business back into marketing. And that's one of those things where you know a lot of folks uh, step into real estate investing and they score a deal. Maybe they flipped a house, you know, maybe maybe they did a wholesale. But it, it, to actually have a business of real estate investing where you're doing it month over month over month, uh, one of the keys is finding properties, right? Identifying potential properties on on a consistent, regular basis. And so as we talk about marketing, that that's what it is. It's how can I every single month work my numbers up so I have enough leads to continue to generate deals on a month-to-month -month basis. Well, and let's let's take a second and plug the franchise one more time because to be honest, this is where most aspiring real estate investors, this is where they fail. Is that it's like you said, they get one or two deals kind of lucky. They sort of fall on their lap. They flip them. They're like, man, I like flipping. I made some money at flipping. I want to be a flipper. And then that's, where's the rest of the deals? How do I get another house? What, what do I do next? How, I don't have any houses to flip. So what? When you, when you, what you really need to scale a business, a real business is a steady flow of inventory. Mm -hmm. And that's really the, the hole that we've plugged with Red Barn Home Buyers, right? That's right. That we become your, one of the things we do a lot of different things, but one of the things we do is we give you access to, to our search, an engine that we've developed that identifies off market properties that, that you have access to that you can use at cost without any, any sort of a markup. And then we, allow you to use that to generate leads in your territory on a month on a month to month basis. And you can dial up and down as you want. It's the only way to have a legitimate investing business is to have steady marketing, steady deal flow and, and know how to, to work those leads, nurture those leads and close those leads and create buying opportunities for yourself. Yeah. And, and some so, people, you know, buy, lead, uh, buy uh, properties from a wholesaler, right? And hopefully you're actually true. becoming the wholesaler. You're the one wholesaler. You're not actually, yep. but to find and buy an off market property, uh, you don't have to have that middle person, right? You're getting that Delta, that, that additional money. So you're That's not right. having to rely on a, on a wholesaler. That's right. Well, and so as your business is growing, one of the things that's important to, to keep in mind, if you're, if your goal, if your goal is to build your net worth is to not just focus on income, income is great. Flips are great. Wholesaling is great, but to focus on assets. And so over the course of the year two, year three, year four, You've got to be buying assets. So what are these assets? If, if, if anybody's ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I know a lot of people have. It's been life-changing to a lot of people. That's basically the, that's basically the, the summation is buy assets, buy mm -hmm. assets that appreciate. Yep. Um, and so houses, notes, you could buy notes. You could even become a hard money lender, be a private lender. I've done lots of private lending over the years. You've, you put some money away. Well, now you can start JVing with other aspiring real estate investors you know, start make, you know, 14, 15% interest on your money, you know, in six month increments, especially if you've got some money sitting on the sidelines, it's a way to grow your nest egg. Um, I don't necessarily advise, you know, putting the in, into, into like 30 year notes or something crazy like that. You want to be in the short term private money loans that come, that go in and come out, go in and come out. And it's a way that, you know, still sort of keep your powder dry for, for future investing opportunities. That's right. So what you're saying is you, you go from wholesaling, you start flipping, then you're getting into rentals. And really, once you get the cash flow, you're in a position you actually can become a lender as well. You can become a lender. So let's call that your three, four, five, somewhere in there. You've got some some actual nest egg, some cash in the bank. Um, and now let's say you're four-ish. Now you've got some bigger opportunities coming your way because now you you know the game, you know the business, you know the players. Maybe you're masterminding with some other guys <clears throat> and now some some bigger opportunities come your way. So let's say, you know, an Airbnb, maybe a high-end luxury vacation rental. 
Now you're looking at buying something in the seven, eight hundred thousand dollar range, or some of your guys are going in together and buying a, a little multifamily deal, or some guys are going in together and buying a small storage deal. And 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 it, this is what happens occasionally. Not that you have to do this, but there's a natural prog progression where some bigger opportunities are going to come your way. And so you've got some money on the sidelines, you've got the relationships, you've got the know-how, and now all of a sudden you're biting off something bigger. Maybe you're buying a, like I said, a $700,000 beach house or something along those lines. Right. The great thing about buying an asset like that is now that asset will appreciate over the next several years and it will appreciate in larger chunks. So now the $700,000 beach house, four years down the road, maybe it's worth 1.2, 1.3. And uh, I'm not use my myself as an example. I bought it. You know, this kind of was my trajectory back in the day, back in 2012, was sort of a big step up. We bought a beach house and we bought it for about a quarter of what it's worth now. Yep. And it's but that it was just one of and it's covered itself. You know, it's it's rented. We've got to use it, but the sucker just appreciates. It's an asset that just appreciates, and that it will, I mean, throw gasoline on your ability to to get to that million dollar net worth. Well, and the other thing is that, and you just mentioned it, as you see those high dollar things, you don't have to do it so you build out a network of other folks, you see an opportunity like that, you've got a handful of people that you can call and say, hey, we've got an opportunity on on a beach house, would you like to go in on this together? That's right. Yeah. Or hey, I just, uh, I know somebody that's doing a small multifamily deal, it's 20 apartments, let's go in and on together. And you know, so you mm -hmm. lean on each other's expertise. But what happens, again, the natural progression is, as you make, as you, as you just make inroads in the business, you meet people, you're masterminding with other guys, these deals will just start to fall in your lap. You'll just right. find yourself. And so you want to be prepared. You want to have put away some money uh, and, and and be in a position to capitalize on that opportunity when it comes your way. So, I mean, just let's let's say now you're at year seven, year eight, year nine, somewhere in there, you've been cooking along, you've been picking up rentals. And all of a sudden you look back, you've got 10 rentals, They've all been appreciating over the last seven, eight, nine years. You got a, a one of these larger investments, whatever whatever it is, whether it's a, a beach property or it's a, an, an Airbnb or it's a multifamily or it's a store, whatever. You've got a, a larger deal. You got some money in the bank. You got a few hundred thousand dollars now in the bank and you stop and you pause and you fill out your personal financial statement and it dawns on you. You know what? I got a million dollar net worth. Yep. Didn't even know I, I got there, but now when I add it all up, I add up my bank accounts. I add up the equity I got in all these properties. I hit a million dollars. Very and very realistic. I mean, that was that's a sort of a, a a very realistic. I want to almost say conservative plan. You're all in, chasing it each year. You didn't live crazy extravagantly, right? And you just you know you made slow inroads, right? Consistent inroads. Uh, you worked your learning curve, built out your network, and that, that's very realistic year over year to build that kind of wealth. That's right. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head too, Kevin. You didn't live above your means. You didn't spend all the money you're making. You continue to live conservatively. And all the while, your goal, your your sights were set on building your net worth, not necessarily taking on debt and, and living extravagantly. That's right. Yeah. And then at 10, at 10 years, you got a million bucks in wealth generated. And then then you can start making decisions. Okay, how do I want to you know continue to roll this as maybe as you get closer to retirement? Yep. Yep. Totally doable, folks. It's not pie in the sky. I mean, I talk to anybody that's been in in the real estate investing world for ten the last ten years and ask them what their net worth looks like. Most of them are going to be at or above a million bucks. It's yeah, just I, the nature of the beast. 
And I will say, you know, along those lines, you know, a lot of folks sit on the sidelines. They think about real estate all the time. They read all the blogs. They've watched the videos. At some point, you just got to take a step. At some point, you, you got you got to jump in. And I know some folks drowned in the information. They, there's so much out there to read. There's so much out there to do, you know, and there's hundreds of different ways to make money. So this is just one way in real estate that's very realistic. And again, as a plug, that's why we set up Red Barn Home Bars. We, we kind of scripted it out, made it real simple, give you the tools. That, that's one of the reasons we've done this is to help people who either have to, you know, have an information overload. They're just not sure where to start or they want some handholding. Yep. And let's make a, a quick disclaimer. This is definitely not any guarantee of earnings. That's We're right. just talking about the average Joe in the, who wants to get into real estate investing, whether they go the coaching route, franchise route, do it themselves. It, this is what's possible conservatively if you just if you just start, if you just get into your local market and you just start investing, you start networking, you start learning and educating yourself. It's what's possible. Yeah, whether you're and there is risk. Right? And there isn't there is risk in this. There is the unknown, but anytime. Anytime you start a business, anytime that, that you, you make an investment, there is some inherent risk involved that has also with it the potential of a reward. And, and this right. is, I think, what we've presented is very, very realistic, very possible and happens all the time. Well, and, and again, talk to any seasoned real estate investor and ask if every deal they've ever done has been a winner. That's not the case. Ask any entrepreneur if every business they've started has been a winner. It's just the, the nature of the beast is it's sometimes it's three steps forward, one steps back. I've had plenty of houses, plenty of houses that were boogers that I lost money on. But as long as, you know, the uh, the rest of the business is doing well, you should be able to absorb a loss here and there. It's just, it's, it is what it is. You're always taking risk. Obviously, you want to take educated risks, but sometimes they just backfire. And you yeah. just keep your head down and you keep plodding ahead. And don't get defeated. When you, have, right. have a, you know, when you have a loser, just say, all right, hey, welcome to the club. Everybody does. I mean, just buckle right. up. It's going to happen. If you don't have that over the first few years, you're really the exception. And it just means that it's still going to happen out there somewhere. It does happen. That's right. Yep. It makes me think of, the, you know, it, it does make me, there's a quote that we use sometimes. It, it says, uh, entrepreneurship, starting your own business, is living a few years of your life like most people won't, so that you can spend the rest of your life like most people can't. And that's really what this is about. I like that. Yeah, it is. It, being an entrepreneur, taking the plunge is absolutely taking a plunge. Yeah. It is. You, you're pulling your hair out. You're probably working more hours than you did in your, in your nine to five. But it's fun, man. Along the way, you're working for yourself. You know, you're not clocking in and looking at the clock and trying to figure out when you get to leave. And it's you're working for yourself. And it's so fulfilling, so satisfying. And then you look back after 10 years, and you're like, crap, I'm a millionaire. How did I do that? Yeah. Consistency. You, you were consistent. You don't have the security of a W-2 week in and week out, but right. you definitely do have the potential of building wealth year after year in ways that the W-2 won't do for you. Well, and don't you think some people have a false sense of security in their W-2? Oh, absolutely. A absolutely. You, you think that you've got security in your nine to five job. And we're all irreplaceable, right? Anyways, totally. could, could, the business could go under, you could get fired. You just never know. It's yeah. definitely a false sense of security. You're taking a risk with whatever you choose. It's just whether or not you choose to accept the reality of it. That's right. Yeah. That's why part of me just loves the having the knowledge and the experience in any specific industry that where you can work for yourself. To me, there's security in that. I know how to make money. I know how to turn this on in any market and, and make money. Having that skill maybe is more secure than just having a w2 position yeah and chasing something that's that's legitimately fulfilling 
That's right. right. That you that you have control over. That that you do have autonomy. You do have control. You do have ownership. And just from a lifestyle perspective, okay, yeah, there's some loss of felt security maybe up front as you learn the business, but long term, man, just quality of life so much better. Yep. Yep. Well, I enjoyed this. I love talking real estate. Yeah. You know, and one other thing I want to highlight, because some folks out there have their own business, you know, whether you're a, maybe a plumber or electrician or a handyman or, a re- you know, some people own their own business, but they really own a job. Yeah. Because you're not generate. you know, maybe you're in, in a business that you own, but you haven't really generated wealth. You're just, you got a paycheck week to week and it's different owning a business that generates wealth than versus having a business where you really just have a job. It's true. That's a very, that's a very good point. Yep. But a uh, lot of, lot of your solo single entrepreneurs have created a very nice job for themselves rather than a business. And real estate does allow you the ability to scale to where you can plug in some partners and teammates and employees that will run the business, you know, when you're, when you're not around and that's a business, when you can step out for a couple of weeks and do what you want to do and come back in and the business still ran, that's a business. That's right. And what we have found is that people who've owned their own businesses, maybe if it was just a job, do really well stepping into this field, right? Take the skill sets that you've learned there and bring them into this. That's true. And and find it because it's flexible and you're wearing so many different hats that it's it's just more fun a lot of of times than other businesses. Agreed. Well, I think we officially sold people in real estate if they weren't already. I don't think that was necessarily the intent of this podcast, but we did a darn good job of selling them. I think we have a lot of people saying, man, I want to make a million bucks. This is what I'm going to, I want to do this. I'm going to make a million bucks. Right, right. Well, guys, tune in next week. We'll talk about how to make $2 million. There you go. Double your wealth (laughs) in the week. (laughs) And the week after that, $3 million. And if you're wondering about week four. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. That's right. Awesome. All right, let's do this again next week. Love it. All right. Actually, we're going to be out of town next week. Should we do this from the road? Should we do this from the road? I said Wednesday, we will be. So next week, we are going out and seeing a bunch of our franchisees. We're going to Florida. We're going to Tulsa. We're going to Denver. We're going to Cleveland. We're going to all over the Erie. Don't forget Erie. We're going to Erie, Pennsylvania. We're going all over, man. Yeah, Yeah. we're doing a nationwide tour. We're going to hit up our franchisees, check out their markets, see the projects they're working on. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Maybe we'll do this from the road next week. I think we might have to. We'll see. We're going to be on a flight every day. Like <laughs> every crazy. day it's we're on a plane going to another city. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of energy for this. It'll be great. This will be fantastic. Lots of caffeine. Donuts in every city. Don't. Ooh, that's a good call. Every that's city, a new donut shop. That's a really good idea. Okay. Let's, we'll put it on social guys. Find us on social. We'll put up some, uh, some donut pictures next week. Every city, a new donut. <laughs> All right, man. We'll see you next Absolutely. week. See you, man. See you, man. Friends, thanks so much for making it all the way to the end of today's podcast. If you or possibly a friend has any interest in learning more about real estate investing or opportunities with Red Barn Home Buyers, take a minute and head on over to redbarnhomes.com and check out our investors page or our franchise page, or just drop us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.